This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. Welcome back to the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice and brought to you by Matty Ice Media. This is a great day because for the first time ever, I'm doing a podcast live while the baby monitor is going off in the background. So this is kind of how it works. But I do have a special guest with me today, and I have Mike, who you all know from our Marvel talks earlier. And believe it or not, we're not going to get into Marvel today because it seems like I refuse to watch Loki. But I want to welcome Mike to the Matty Ice Media production studio which is my attic so welcome mike how you doing i'm great it's good to be in person uh, for this one finally i know right and uh this is the first time i think i've ever had like an in-person uh interview in this kind of way but sunday was father's day they're hearing this on wednesday and we all kind of hung out this weekend right we hung out saturday and sunday we just kind of did fatherly type stuff but um i think one of the things I watch, what try to do on this show is capture things that are happening in the moment. And I feel like you and I are blessed to have good fathers. And we have good relationships with our fathers. And I know not everybody has that. However, uh, we're fortunate. So I thought we could take this episode to kind of introduce the audience to our fathers and kind of get into why they have been an influence on us because we are also both fathers. So what do you think? Yeah, sounds like a good idea. Hopefully they don't get mad at us. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I don't think that they will. So uh my dad is a little bit older than yours i think uh, my dad's 73 uh, your dad is in his what late 60s i yep. think whatever uh one of the things that i know that they share together is uh military service mm -hmm. so my dad was in the navy for four years mostly out of necessity because um he was flunking out of college and was going to get drafted this is in vietnam anyway and he decided to enlist in the navy which i think was the best thing for him he ended up going overseas for four years and came back a different person your dad on the other hand went the career route mm -hmm. and started uh at the citadel and you know had an entire career in the military so a little bit of a different pathway but i think the service to the country is the same um what do you think is important for the audience to know about your dad outside of the military service uh, you know uh I, I think about this all the time uh i guess from from my dad he's got a great sense of humor um and uh he's always been encouraging in me ever since i was a kid and, and to today even uh as an adult uh and i think that's a pretty positive thing and that's completely outside of the military service of his but uh that's that's what i look at and i think that's something he would probably appreciate because i know he always thought family was really really important um and i think he's impressed that on me as well and your dad comes from a very, very large family, whereas my dad was an only child, which is really what I was. I had a half sister, but for the most part, I grew up, you know, alone. Uh, my dad actually, this is this may be different for you than it is for me, but like I didn't actually fully appreciate my dad until I was older, because my dad was like totally unhip, didn't get anything that was going on in my life when I was a teenager. Always seemed to be the opposite of what I was looking for when I was younger. And I was so scared of becoming him because he's he was old when he was young, if that makes <laughs> sense, right? And as I've gotten older and I've seen how I have developed into adulthood, I've I'm like him basically. Where and I think it's because I've watched one of my other parents do all the wrong thing. And then I watch <laughs> no, I mean it's true, but I watch my mom do all the wrong things and, and see my dad, you know, do all the right things for the most part. And um, I've learned that I'm so much more like him than I ever thought. And I'm not scared of that anymore. Like, it was weird to think that I don't want to be anything like him because he seems so timid. The world seems so big to him, mm -hmm. right? He was big in his little bubble where it's like, your dad traveled the world even after getting out of the military, even yeah. while being a family man. And my dad was happy once he got into his little cocoon. and He's always kind of been there. So um, I'm happy to kind of be like him. And I think... It took me a while to get there, but I don't think it took you a while to get there. No, I would say mine was a little different. Um, I think I idolized my dad growing up. Um, you know, he, his military service, what he did in, in the Air Force. And, um, you know, just kind of being around that for as long as I was growing up, uh, it made me very much want to be like that. And, you know, he was always kind of fun to be around and he was always, uh, you know, interested in things, the same things I was, sports and flying and all those type of things and so i think he encouraged a lot of that there's i always say he has kind of like he had like a 
a youthful soul about him when we were younger, when I was younger. And so I, I didn't have that thing where he, you know, while I was a bit of a, I, I would argue I was a kind of a mature kid growing up. I never was very rebellious. So maybe I appreciated a bit of that youthfulness with enough responsibility where it didn't really bother me. So, you know, uh, I don't know. I think that's the way it was for me growing up. It's a little different. Uh, for me, my dad let me be who I was. Mm-hmm. He didn't get anything that I was into, right? Like, <laughs> totally didn't get anything. However, I think we bonded over a lot of things that, in retrospect, were much more important than they seemed at the time. Like, the, the cliche thing is that, oh, I played catch with my dad. But mm-hmm. I actually did all the time. Like, right. my dad was game to pretty much do anything that I wanted to do, any sport that I wanted to do. I mean, he even took me to a pro wrestling event, which was like the worst thing ever for him. But in the end, he told me that it was fun because I was having a good time. Right. And I don't think as kids, we think about that in the moment as we're going through it. We don't think about those moments that our parents are with us until we get older, either after right. they're gone or when you become a father and not everybody becomes a father, you know, becomes parents. And I get right. that and all that. But I've. You know, I look back at those times and realize how many games of catch I played, how many times he took me to baseball games. And yeah. it was just fun for him because he was going with me. Right. So, I mean, I assume you had the same yeah, experience. Yeah, very similar. And I think it's, you know, it's it's one of those things that people don't realize it. And I think maybe you realize it more as you get older. And like I said, you become a father and you want to make sure you do the right things. And you realize, oh, well, yeah, my dad taught me how to play catch. And I play catch with my dad in the backyard all the time. And whether it be with a football or a baseball, we played basketball in the front driveway all the time. We went to baseball games and football games and you know and and i yeah did i appreciate them then i'm sure i probably did in some way i'm sure i did i don't i didn't appreciate them then as much as i realize i appreciate that now because it helps shape you to the man you are today but based upon that kind of the raising that you got you know and so i think it uh yeah, it was, it was kind of a neat, it's a neat thing. It's it's good memories, you know, fishing and all those things that your your dad, you know, would do with you. I remember when I was like eight, maybe seven, my dad took me hunting with him for bird hunting in, in Nebraska. And I, I didn't even have a rifle because I was too young. So I was literally just going along, which I'm sure at the time was probably more of a pain in his ass than anything else. Yeah, um, I would say so. But I and and I did, and I just remember being, I I kind of faintly remember being cold and like just kind of like I had a fake gun with me, you know. But I think just the idea of like how that process works and you could go out and you could shoot birds and was it a red rifle? Them? Like a uh-huh. red, was it a red rifle? It BB was gun? no, it wasn't even a BB gun. It was I a fake it was gun, like a pop like a gun. T- really, yeah, a yeah. fake, complete, fake. complete fake. Gun. But let me ask you, did you feel like you were badass because you had oh, yeah. a gun? Like you didn't care, right? No. Because when we were kids, and this is not to get off into some political rant, but when we were kids, playing cops and robbers was okay. Like, as kids, you could have a cap. I had cap guns when I was a kid. And nobody was offended by it. Nobody was the wiser of it. And it was completely harmless. At least it was to me. Right. uh, And and the neighborhood I lived in. So I, I felt like a total, you know, badass when I had my cap gun. Yeah. And it didn't mean anything. And I guess now kids really can't do that because people would probably call the police on you and stuff like that. So it's interesting thinking about that because that memory for you is made by the fake gun. Dude, just to get like the idea of like the mentality today versus then. I mean, my we took my son to gymnastics uh, during the pandemic and they were doing those stupid temperature checks. Mm-hmm. Those things that we realized probably don't actually show you anything about COVID, but it made people feel good to, you know, check your temperature before you went in places. Um, and the lady at the place would not use the temperature gaze on his forehead because she was like well i don't want to scare them to thinking like i'm pointing a gun at them and i'm like dear god this (laughs) this is a different world than i grew up in (laughs) i have actually never heard that one oh it Um, shocked me it shocked me lana was there too and she's like i don't understand this (laughs) that is that's really interesting um but back to your story about no 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 it's just i was thinking about the fake gun thing and yeah I was wondering if it was like just a BB gun or because I you, hunting was big. I had a BB gun though when in I was your kid. family. Yeah, yeah. See, like I didn't go through any of that. Like obviously I grew up. You, well, that, that's what's that. funny is though I never really hunted though. It was big. Like my my grandfather. But your dad didn't really hunt either. My right? dad like pheasant. He bird hunt pheasant. To me, yeah. To me, bird hunting is like. I mean, Chrissy hates birds, so like that's helping the global community. If, if you want to know, like she would actually consider. Well, they can't be trusted. So. Well, that's what. Yeah. Right. So there's there is that, and it does make you kind of like. 
think eh, it's not too bad but like yeah I, I so i grew up in a completely different region of the country but that brings me to a, a point uh you guys moved around all the time mm -hmm. right because your dad obviously was active military yep. i stayed in the same place how much of the moving around do you think uh, lend it lent itself to you having more of a bond with your dad because it probably meant more to him those times that he was home and by extension it meant more to you when he was home yeah I, you know I, I used to say um growing up a military kid that's what bonded you know we were a relatively small family it's just me and my sister and my mom and dad yeah uh, but yeah when you move constantly um when you first get to places the the only people you know is your family yeah and so when you when you're it's it's darn it's pretty good when you get along with your family and mm -hmm. you enjoy being around them because you tend to be around them a lot for a little bit of time and so um i think that whether it was one or the other i don't know if it's like a chicken or the egg type thing but having a good relationship with my father like was maybe required because yeah you go somewhere and you don't know anybody else um, but, but also beneficial because as you went everywhere, it brought you closer together because you mm -hmm. always had each other and you could go do stuff together. And yeah. that's the same with my sister. My sister and I are very close because it was just me and her for, you know, a lot of places until you get to know people. Well, for the audience's edification, um, I had to talk to Mike before proposing before I talked to his dad. So there was that, <laughs> uh, just to let you in on how that dynamic worked out. We're not uh, like gross close. It's not like we were wrestling at an age far beyond when you should be wrestling or anything weird like that. We're just no, like no, no. close. <laughs> no, but like my dad traveled because he worked for the government and he was a recruiter. So he traveled, but not nearly on the same length, of course. Right. Um, but when he was gone, it felt significant. However, when your dad was gone, it became, I would say, more commonplace because he was gone a lot more. Sure. Right. And as you got older, it became more and more accepted. I'm sure when you were younger, before Chrissy was there, it probably you probably don't remember taking it harder than you actually did. Who I, knows? Yeah, uh, I might, people make fun of me. I have the world's worst long-term memory when it comes to that yeah, stuff. Well. I, I have like a, I probably have golden hindsight. I think everything was fine in my life ever because yeah, but I just forget all the crappy stuff and assume everything was golden. There's uh, nothing wrong <laughs> with that. To me, there's nothing wrong with that. Like the crappy stuff that happened to me, is I'm reminded of it because the relationships that I have as an adult. Mm -hmm. are you know you think back on it but like when i think back on my dad like i remember some of the stuff that was unpleasant but it's unpleasant in the way that many kids think of their parents as unpleasant like not letting me do something that i wanted to do like one of the five times i ever got spanked was because i was in the shower he was trying to teach me how to shower and he chrissy asked him this and i was like yeah and he just you know kind of spanked my butt in the shower and i had a handprint on my butt and chrissy's like well why did you spank him and my father goes because he was being an asshole <laughs> <laughs> and it was so true like when i remember that now that he was trying to teach me and i just i was being a kid i just wasn't paying attention and that was one of the like very few times that anything like that ever happened because my dad i'm sure like your dad had the voice oh yeah you knew and that was the thing about parenting like it that back then that i feel like isn't quite the same today like it's a little bit different where it's like i knew when my parents meant real business and a lot of kids today i don't know if they know that because there were parent there were kids that grew up in probably our age bracket who felt like their parents were mean to them i guess if you want to call it that so they tried to parent their kids without any of that like any right. any any of that yeah and so then it then becomes untenable because then there's no boundaries yeah whereas i just knew like and even today your dad does it to your kid and they all stop <laughs> and it's not yelling it's not yeah. even raising a voice there's a com there's a commanding presence to the voice yep. that every father tries to achieve my kid i mean james is way too young for me to ever right. to know i kind of got it but he listens to your dad more than listens to me because yeah. your dad's perfected it over 40 years <laughs> exactly <laughs> So that's uh, true. But what would you say if he were sitting in this room today? Mm -hmm. What would you say is your best memory of your father? Oh man, um, it doesn't have to be specific. It can. I be don't know. Some I just think it's, it's it's the joy that I think he brought to to my childhood. I mean, I know, and everyone's like, "Oh, dad yelled at me," or "Dad, it, yeah, sure." Everyone's get yelled at by their dad growing up. If they haven't, then they're probably a spoiled brat. Um, and you know, um. But I just felt like I have a lot. If I like, if I had like a general memory growing up, like it was, like him laughing about something with me regarding I don't even know what it, it doesn't matter what it is, yeah. You know, like whether it was watching, you know, 
we're big Dallas Cowboys fans, which now everybody like half you just lost half your audience. Or maybe you got more because Not really, people love because to hate the Dallas Cowboys. To be, remember, uh, keep, keep in mind that there are a whole bunch of people that listen to this show also listen to political football, and I'm a Patriots fan, so that takes care of the rest of, oh, the, half of the country. <laughs> they hate both of us a lot. Yes, now. they do. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they won it when they won a championship in the '90s, and I was in like middle school and or high school, coming to going into high school. Was it 90, um, 93, 94, 94 and 95 or 96? Something yeah. like that. It was something like that. Uh, that you know, just off the top of my head, 93, 94, 96. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, just kind of the joy of, of like, sharing those moments is, is that thing. And that, that was all across the board, you know. And um, you could tell he genuinely cared about, about me and my sister and, and cared about our well-being and, and that we would do well. And he cared that he made an impact. And so, I don't know, that's just my – that's what I would say. Yeah. I think for me, and this happened a lot when I was a kid, but it also happened more when I was in college and I was finally failing for the first time because one of the things about the dynamic of my family was my mother never wanted me to fail because she didn't want to have to face the shame of telling people that I did something wrong, <laughs> which this was all living vicariously. Yeah. But I finally was messing up and my dad would say like, doesn't matter what happened, where what's the next step? What's right. the solution? And that really stuck with me when... Uh, I, I when I really thought about it because there isn't a lot that you can do and as a father I feel like that's my job is to let's look forward because right. everybody messes up every kid messes up in some way and every yeah. and there's a there's a scale to it obviously right but my dad would always say to me like what's the solution to the problem and I think that's where I got my calm presence when like things really go south and yeah. My stepmom asked, like, how did you drive to the hospital after your, you know, we had to go to the ER. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we didn't have to. They were told we should. Uh, and, of course, fr Chrissy freaked out. It's on day four of having a child, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, you had NICU babies. So you're like, <laughs> yeah. okay. And my stepmom was like, how did you stay calm? And I'm like, well, we both can't panic. Yeah. And that's what I thought. All right. it's it, We are where we are. We have to go. And, like, my mind processes it the way that he taught me how to process it. And mm -hmm. what's the solution to it? And he's still that way. And... I learned so much of my, like, not patience. He's not patient at all, and neither am I. Well, I'm patient when it's something serious, but if I drop water on the floor, it's kicking, screaming, like Paul Rudd in uh, Hot American Summer type thing. <laughs> and, um, by the way, in the studio right now is my lovely wife and sister to Mike. So, hi, Chrissy. How are you? She's waving. She's going bye-bye. Uh, she just took James with her on the monitor. But anyway... Um, I think that's a good memory, though. Now, I remember my father being jovial at Christmas time, and <laughs> your dad strikes me as the type who used to love Christmas when you guys were kids. Yeah, I mean, he, my dad's jovial a lot. I mean, as much as he's, he can also be strict and disciplinarian, just like you know. But like, I, I have a lot of more, I have a lot more jovial memories than, than yeah. those, despite the fact that I'm sure those existed. Um, yeah, I mean, holidays, definitely. I mean, I, yeah. What do you think the hardest part of his job as a parent? given the time frame like when you were born what his profession was like how do you what do you think was the hardest thing I think, and how was he able to overcome it obviously yeah you know i think for him it was i mean you have to ask him but uh, i would assume it, it it was probably you know it demands his time was demanded away from the family a lot mm -hmm. and he had a choice on the matter um that's true I never and i that think way. that you know, there's always that the hardest thing about that. And I, and I think I now either this is true of him or I'm just kind of reflecting on my own, yeah. you know, fa being a father and, and my own life, uh, which is similar. Um, it's difficult because you want to make sure your, your, your kids, uh, know you trust you mm -hmm. feel that you love them and you care about them. Um, and when you're gone and it's not really your choice, your kids don't always understand. So yeah. I think the hardest thing about that, and I'm sure it was hard, that was probably his hardest thing, was feeling that was he around enough or was he, you know, did did he imprint enough? You know, did he do enough to make us understand that when he was gone, it wasn't because he didn't want to be there. Is there a sweet spot age, do you think, for your kids where you feel like, all right, they know when, I, they know when I'm gone and come back that I'm going to be the same dad? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's a tough one, man. Like, so I always tell people, like, and I, I give advice to a lot of younger guys and gals in the military when they deploy. And, um, I tell them like, hey, if the kid is like under three, uh, don't fret too much. You're gonna you're gonna miss your child a lot more than they're gonna even remember that yeah. you were gone. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't suck. 
Yeah. It's going to suck for your spouse because yes. they're missing half of the the team. Um, but it's a lot more doable at that age as they start getting older. That that early elementary school age. Mm-hmm. Um, they know when you're gone. Um, and they're still young enough where they maybe can't quite put it together if they're young enough sometimes i think it's a it's a well you you know depending on what the what your spouse tells them right then it's more like okay well i got it dad or bomb is out doing this important thing so i'm okay with yeah you know and like uh when i deployed you know for a year like luke who was four and this is also an advanced part of your career too like yeah you know what i mean and that's for the audience to know that is like this was after having a fulfilling career and kind of being like, all right, we're at the tail end. I want to make sure I get to the highest rank that I can get. But it's pretty much smooth sailing from here. And then they threw you a curveball and were like, yeah, we'll see in a year. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, that's kind of yeah. a so generalization he, for he how He took it, it pretty well. Like, you know, it was like a dad was gone, but he knew who I was. It, the modern days help, right? Because now you can see each other. Yeah. I mean, you know, even and it's changed a lot since I started in the, in the military. Um, but my daughters are, are at that. I think that age, like, it's it's a tough age like um probably that uh i would argue it's i think as they get older it's harder yeah because um whether they they know that you're gone they can they they can start imagining things going wrong or things happening to you or the stress of you not being there they can even if they understand that you're gone for a reason, they may not even understand. They they may still project, you know, as as you start getting to the preteen and the teen years, right? Like the the likelihood of them projecting frustrations on that's going on with them or with life on you, even if it's not really something you meant to do, you know. Because sometimes kids just like to take it out and they think that's their hey, it's your it's your fault, mom or dad, because you left. Adults you know? do that too, though. Yeah, right. And so and I I think that there is there a sweet spot. I don't know what the sweet spot is. The sweet spot is probably below the age of like nine. You can kind of get away with it a little bit as long as it's not too often, probably without it being a big deal. But as you start getting older, it just becomes a bigger deal in different ways. I was gonna say, so you're you're kind of hypothesizing that it it's harder when they're older because you know the is it more like the the puberty stuff? The emotions are all <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But I mean, like yeah, the emotions maybe, are all over yeah. the place, or I is think, it? I think it could be a little bit of both. They understand. I think that the concept of you being gone is more acute because yeah, they're used to. They know you. <laughs> they know you more. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have more of a sample. Size. This is how they know me. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but then, like, I think it also, yeah, I can imagine that as a, a teenager. Since teenagers, and every teenager is this way. I was probably this way. I'm sure I was. You're looking, you know, life sucks sometimes, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're that Paul Rudd from from What American Summer, yeah. right? You know, ugh, ugh. And so if there's a reason to blame your parents for something, that's a good way. And wow, what an awesome out it is when mom or dad leaves and goes away. Like, it's yeah. your fault you left. You know, you don't even care about me. You'd say that just to piss your parents off because that feels, you, you know, like that's the teenage mind, right? Yeah, I mean so. it's a very selfish mind. I you know, uh my parents were extremely lucky with me. I never um I never partied. I never like let anything out of line. You know what I mean? Like I never let anything out of line. Um and my dad didn't really have to worry about that kind of stuff. I I don't know, like but you you brought up something in the middle of that. Sorry. In the middle Sorry. of that that um you know, it made me think about how. I just diff- got a text from my daughter. That's why it's well. all good. <laughs> I leave everything in, so it's all good. Um, because that's the way it is. We're live, like you can't do much about this. Uh, but having the partner, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how the family is constructed. The two-parent system is obviously a better method of parenting because, well, I mean, it's hard enough with one kid, and then you add more kids, yeah. and it becomes even harder. But I would like to. I mean, I would like to think that it gives you an appreciation for the single parent lifestyle when they don't have a choice in the matter right right? and how difficult it is but then i also think about your mom too i mean your mom was pretty much like unflappable in these cases i mean and your dad was gone a lot and like chris never talked about her you know like losing it or anything and it was like oh mom just kind of did her thing yeah she handled it really well that is such a key part of parenthood in general right and i have to think that having a good partner makes you a good father right right? and i think your dad had that and i think we both have that so 
um it does make it you know easier but it just was something that that dawned on me because the military family it's a really difficult thing you, whether it's the mother in the military or the father or both i can't imagine what it'd be like for both like i don't know how you know how does yeah, that work i have friends that are that way and it, it is tough for them it's really hard can they both be away at the same time they have to have a like a family care plan so like okay. that can happen okay um and that's why so they have to always maintain a family care plan in case they both get sent away at the same time so what is entailed in that uh like tangent, where the kids but... they have kids like okay who's who's gonna watch the kids are they capable of watching yeah. the kids where are they gonna watch them at where, where how are they gonna ensure that they go to school all those things that are required to ensure that like the proper level of, of like uh you know what do you want to call it like Basic. parenting is done you know like you know, a parent like if you if you don't send your kids to school like in yeah. theory like you can like social services can come to your yeah, house and yeah, take yeah. you away so the same type of stuff that would prevent social services from coming to the house and taking the kids away is this akin that, to like if both parents die who takes care or is it more like while i'm gone this person's going to make sure that not, these things happen it's similar to that but not like so it's not in the case of death it's in the case this of this is the case of both the both do, being gone okay, like both it. let's say you both get deployed at the same time you both have yeah. to go away what's the family care plan because there okay. could be all it, right you, you're gonna try um as best you can to try to not have that happen but yeah. in cases of the worst case scenario it's very possible that, that can happen and it's happened many many times and so that that plan has to be in place and that is and can that change like obviously yeah, yeah, like yeah. That yeah is... they, they just have to keep updating it okay so they have to have one on file and then they have to update it and then normally before before one member has to go tdy or, or deploy for an extended amount of time they require to update it again and the idea behind that is think about it again more recently yeah that way you can say in case the unexpected happens and the other the other uh, spouse has to go uh that the plan you have in place is the one that you actually have. i mean if you think about it too like if you make the plan when your kids are two and four and then you get deployed again and they're four and eight yeah maybe a different story yeah exactly right. things do change i mean your eight-year-old is not in school your four-year-old yeah. isn't so like it does change quite a bit yeah uh and both are not in diapers anymore <laughs> right you know, you know I mean? and you know maybe maybe it was like a brother or sister would watch them and then the brother or sister had kids of their own, and now it wasn't even feasible. Yeah. Anymore. So you have to, all those type of things have to come into play. I actually yeah. had not considered that and thought about it. And I would assume it's a similar situation for a single parent in the military. Yep. Because obviously, exactly. when you have the dual uh, military spouses mm -hmm. and one of them gets killed in action, God, you know, God forbid, obviously, mm -hmm. but I, that has to have happened yep. uh, in the course of the military history. There's no doubt. So yes. it's, it's the same exact kind of a thing. Yep. Is it, I would assume it's got to be a lot harder in that in that case if it's just one because they can't like like you said they can they can work toward not trying it's, to deploy yeah. both but you can't not be deployed if you're active military yeah i mean it, it's all hard <laughs> yeah right? of course you know, it it's is. just degrees of, of of what is what makes it hard when yeah right you know like so um yeah you, so pick you, your poison type thing yeah that's true. <laughs> so uh, you became a dad long before I did. I just became a dad right before the pandemic. Uh, James is 15 months, so and you have two kids, 12, uh, two twins, 12, and uh, Lucas six. Mm -hmm. And um, so, what was it like when you became a father? Um, I mean, I guess it's a little different because of the NICU stuff, but yeah. When was the, the when was the moment though? Like, I felt personally that throughout the entire pregnancy, I was completely devoid of like what was actually going to happen because it's it's like a not a reality yet you're not physically holding the child you don't see what's happening like the ultrasounds right. are one thing as soon as the birth happens it's like it still doesn't hit you it didn't yeah. hit me until we hit the hospital room after everything's done like they take care of her she eats and then it's like well what do we do now yeah and but it was such a crazy feeling when james born like to actually see this baby because you don't have any physical concept at all right was it the same thing for you even with all of the you know emergency stuff that took place with the girls yeah i mean it, it was i mean it was i mean it was kind of like that that moment of like holy crap like uh when they were born and then they were whisked off to the nicu and um i, I remember uh i was able to go see isabella she was uh, little. They're both tiny. My, yeah. my daughters were really, really small. They're nine weeks early. So just to give listeners a, an idea of how early they were. Their feet have not followed since then. <laughs> that. That's not true. That's not true. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then I was able to, like, Lana was in, you know, pre-op or post-op um, afterwards. And so I went down and I remember her looking at me and just be like, she's like, follow them. 
I was like, got yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> and so I've she's heard like, don't leave from, them. Follow them. I'm like, okay. I've heard that from many yeah. you parents about how it's crazy to carry that child or children, have give birth or have a C-section, and then they're whisked away. Yeah. And you don't have any choice in the matter because it could be a matter of life or death. Yeah. And in your mind as a new parent, you're like, I, what? Like, yeah. I need to go with this baby. And we didn't have that. I mean, yeah. we were very lucky with that stuff. So Yeah, so it was crazy. And I get to hold Ava pretty quickly thereafter, yeah. even though she was, I mean, tiny. Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, dude, it was just like, you know, there was so much. I think, it, despite the fact that it wasn't just like, oh, it's yours, see ya, good luck. Um, because of the whole Nikki thing, we had to kind of go in that. Yeah. But just the whole idea that, like, all this time and effort have been put into to this day and now you're just like instantly just worried about them yeah you know and luckily we had some amazing just amazing nikki nurses and a shout out to all the nikki nurses in the world because i'm gonna mm -hmm. tell you what they are fine uh human beings who have a really hard job they have and they to be excel the, at it they have to <laughs> you just, know like the, you do that job because you love kids right. whether you have them or not right like that's a job assume, to me that yeah. feels it's like it's a hard job too because i get to deal with a lot of sick kids it's different than know? like old, like caregiving at these facilities and so forth like with older you know people who are at the right. end of their life because a lot of times it's that's harder work but like a NICU nurse like i think uh chrissy's friend anna is a mm -hmm. or was at one point or is a NICU nurse and they just love kids and that's yeah. why they do that job and i mean that it's such a selfless feeling job. Yeah. Taking care of kids is one thing. Like, it, you know, that, that that's just a whole different thing than taking care of adults. And I feel like there's yeah. a level of uh, selfless love that just goes into it. Yeah. Right it was there. amazing. I, we, like I said, they put our minds at ease a little bit because they're like, you know, after the initial 12 hours or whatever. Yeah. Um, they kind of had already stepped them up to a, they called it the going home NICU. So okay, like, but they're yeah. not going home anytime soon. Like the green room. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. like they say levels of Nikki, right? And they, they step them through it. And ours stepped up really early. Um, but I mean, they were so like ladies, like hey, here's the deal. Like they're in this room now, which is good. We call this a going home room. Um, okay. But they're not going to be going home anytime soon because yeah. they're tiny. He's like, but they, they're you know they're strong. They just need to grow. Yeah. And so that kind of helped us. Uh, but I will say this, even like as a father, like. Um, the hardest part was those five weeks in the NICU were, I would argue, as, as hard as it was when we brought twin newborns home, those five weeks in the NICU were just just horrible. It was just so hard because you, you're trying to balance your time between how long can you stay, mm -hmm. when do you have to go home because you need to like clean yourself and sleep. And yeah. I had to work and then you know we were just exhausted we were stressed out we were just you know and then we brought him home and it was just like really really hard still but <laughs> but it was uh but the stress a lot of the stress went away and it just became a little more like oh, okay cool we just take care of these these babies we it's, do it's funny um i had a guy on the show and he talked about his first kid i guess two and the first kid was a nicu baby and he yeah. said when we got home we had a routine down because we'd been there so long yeah. and then you go home yeah, right that's true and he's like so it, the newborn phase didn't feel difficult in that sense because we had we knew what we were supposed to do yeah he said our, their second kid not a NICU baby and it was like chaos yeah. like thunderdome because they didn't have an established routine they finally got hit with that oh right even though they'd done it before right. it was new in that sense uh but it's a feeling of like helplessness too i'd have to imagine because yeah. there's only so much you can do while yeah. you're there like they try to get you to change diapers with your hands right. through the you know incubator stuff and it's yeah. like i mean that's not like you want to be doing so much more even though it's hard yeah it yeah and it, it actually got easier when we got them home because they were no longer hooked up to all these wires and crap and all yeah. these things you had to like deal with so it's easy to just pick them up and deal with them um it's funny though about that like you mentioned that and like how the second one so when we brought luke home and like it was obviously not the same you didn't establish that routine, um, but just the fact that it wasn't two of them, it just was easy anyway. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I told I told your sister, but we were used to two. That's the thing. Like our well, our expectations were set at a certain level, and so anything down was easy to step down. This was before we ever got we ever had kids. Like we we knew we wanted kids, and I said, look, if you have twins, I'm done. I was like, <laughs> I'm out because two was always the most I ever wanted, and if we hit that quote-unquote lottery the first time around out 
because what I'm not doing is taking that chance of being like, let's have a third, and then you have twins again. Say, man, like not doing it. People ask me all the time when when Lana was pregnant with Luke, and they're like, uh, "Do you want a boy or a girl? Do you want a boy or a girl?" And I honestly didn't care. Like I, just I didn't want care, one. and I literally just I'd be like, I want one healthy baby, and I love my twins, and I would not change any part about my life with that. But one set of twins is enough. Those people, I've seen people who got multiple sets of twins, and man, that's just really hard. No. It's just hard. It's just, it, that's I'm all. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, no, it's I'm, just I'm absolutely <laughs> flat knowing that. Like, I just know. Like, especially when you're older. Like, this is why yeah. we talked about, like, how many kids we would have at this point. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm almost 40. You're almost 40. And do we want to go through all this again, yeah. at, you know, at some point? So, like, you think about that, but, like, if I was in my tw- late twenties and this happened, I probably would be feeling a little bit different. But the thought yeah. of having twins, especially knowing that they run in the family, I was yeah. like, "We're not." Well, on the bright side, mine are, mine are identical, which means they're complete. Like, yeah, roll the dice. It should. It's not. Not technically. Exactly. I'm not a gambling. Not technically man. Uh, genetic. Just no, <laughs> I'm not a gambling man in any sense of the word. So uh, it's interesting though because I felt that too. Um, I was sobbing like a like a young schoolboy when James <laughs> was born. And you know what it was? Um, your, you know, your sister went through three hours of pushing, which is apparently a lot by comparison to for most. Like they say two hours is like what you, right. what they, what they strive for. And I was like, I know it's going to happen. Like she doesn't want to have the C-section. She didn't have to. It was yeah. like, all right. And I was sobbing because she did it. Like, your sister was, she was like, just, I just want a C-section. And I was like, but you don't. Like, you have no idea how close this baby was. And everybody thought I was going to be the weak one. And I was like, can you bring that mirror closer? Like, I need to see where the head is. Because if I'm going to get her to have this baby, mm-hmm. I need to have all the information. Yeah. And I was like, like, can you move it a little closer? A little close. Right there. That's it. I can see it from right there. <laughs> and Chrissy was, like, really surprised. Because I guess everybody thought I was going to be, like, squeamish. And I'm yeah. like, oh, no, no, no. I was like, that doesn't make me squeamish. I was like, how watching them put the epidural in you, that made me squeamish. <laughs> but not the baby coming out. So, yeah. but I was so proud of her. And then yeah. you see the kid. And then, of course, like, the nurse basically almost drops the baby, which was like, holy shit. And then he pooped on Chris. So, uh, it was, like, <laughs> right out the gate. We're, we're ready to go. But it was just funny because... I don't know like people ask what did it feel like and I'm like I think it feels different for everybody but I think every parent has the feeling of like wow like we made this and it took me a while to get over that be like wow I can't and I even still sometimes I'm like we made this guy like this guy's so cool right like how did we do that it's amazing and um but I will admit I struggled as a dad because it felt like a job for a really long time like, I didn't feel like a dad because I'm like, this baby has no concept of me. It didn't feel like he had a concept of me. I don't know if you felt that way, no, too. but Dude, like, babies, like, for the first, like, almost year, it's like mommy and baby time. Yeah. Well, even so, you know, like, well, not free. true. Well, it's funny because he had to sleep on me. He wouldn't sleep oh, on anybody yeah. else, which is like, and he still remembers that to this day because mm-hmm. he only sleeps on me and your dad. <laughs> I don't know. It was tough. It felt like a job. And it wasn't until recently, you know, that he was becoming interactive. And then I thought to myself, when's the first time I feel like I'm going to be parenting him? Because there's a difference between taking care of your kid and then parenting. Right. And I think about all the times that like my dad parented me and still does. Right. Like, I think when we're we we are sometimes naive to the idea that our parents don't parent us anymore, but they totally do. And it's so subtle that you're like, damn, that again. (laughs) (laughs) That never ends. I know. I know. But it's amazing how that works, though. Like that parent mode never switches off. Right. And like, I feel like our parents, at least our dads anyway, are able to do it. And without being intrusive, I mean, obviously our dads can both be stubborn, but sure. the intrusive parenting where they're like, they're giving you advice to try and help you. You don't feel like they're like when you're a teenager, you feel like they're actively parenting yeah. and you're like, stop parenting. Yeah. But now as an adult, you're like, I kind of need that. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe once a year, maybe twice a year. Right. Yeah. And it's the evolution of being a parent. Sure. And that's what I always thought of parenting was that like, and I think it's hard at first because like the mom wants them to stay a baby and like what happens if they don't know who i am and i'm like it's just all going to be constantly changing once they start walking yeah it's like a free-for-all and then once they start knowing that they can say no now we're talking that's going to be real tough yeah now we take it to the teenager <laughs> well you haven't quite gotten there yet you're not, like 
You have gotten, I'm right at the worst of it, I think. I'm at the beginning of it. <laughs> I was going to say, you have like a preamble yeah. right now you're getting. But it's funny, though, because it sounds like, too, growing up, that your parents had an easier time with you than they did with Chris. And like yeah. your mom has told me I about... I was pretty easy kid. Well, her teenage years, like she really went through yeah. a phase... And it seemed like she had less issues with your dad than she did with your mom. Like she yeah. told, she tells me that she clashed a lot with that your tends mom. Tends to happen. I think. I think a lot of girls clash with their moms. Is that so? In the teenage years, and then they and then they become like best friends in their twenties, and then yeah. they're best friends the rest of their life. Um, well, for your, the most part, your mom felt like she was hanging out with the wrong crowd, and then you guys moved. I, you know, they, and this is you were where gone then, I was right? gone because I was already in college when she was, uh, and I was in college nowhere near in state. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, exactly. Uh, right. And I didn't get to go home very often. Yeah. Um. So like, uh, yeah, I missed out on a lot of that. Um. So I didn't really see that. I don't know if that was the crowd she was hanging out with when we lived in Virginia, or if it was. I Hawaii think it was. Or, I thought it was Virginia, and then when she moved to Hawaii, he got better. Uh, got better. Yeah. I don't know if it's because they're all like Shaka Bra and like you know all that stuff. <laughs> and, yeah, a little. <laughs> yeah, they're a little laid back there. Um, but yeah, it sounds like that. And I wonder, you know, like I think for your dad too, like he, you have. I mean, if this is an unfair assessment, you let me know. But you kind of grew up almost like in his not in his shadow but like you know you had a very similar life arc and career arc and even just in general your life arc still continues to very much mimic him and i'm sure that makes him proud to no end and then chris comes along and she's not going to follow it and i'm sure that had its difficulties too that probably didn't manifest for you because you know you're you're sort of shielded from it in a way yeah i don't know though i think my dad is pretty darn proud of chrissy oh he is no i'm not saying that but like I can. I'm saying. I'm talking about when you have like two kids. The differences between oh, yeah. like the first and the yeah, second. It's like just different. Yeah. yeah. And then like here you are. You're going through all this, and then Chris is like, I'm just gonna do my own thing. Yeah. And she's successful in her own right. Yeah. But it's amazing how that works. How you can have two kids and have it be a completely different experience. And yeah. These parents who have two kids and one of them turns out, you know, like they. they that's the hardest thing for me. And I'll get it to your hardest thing is like having no control over whether my kid ends up like a drug addict or something like that like no matter what you do there's some stuff that you feel like you can't control like you can do everything that you can to give them all the information and and steer them the right way and what scares me is the unknown of will they make the right decision when the time comes i hope you know i hope and that does scare me a little bit um also them being like me too sometimes scares me but that's that, that's that's gonna that's gonna happen because well it is gonna, nature nurture thing well it is gonna happen but i mean <laughs> in the in the negative ways like all ah. that stuff but it does scare me a little bit to think that james could one day be faced with the decision that i hope that i have helped him make the right make call the on. right call on <laughs> yeah but that's not, all you can do so you can't like i look but at not every kid does though. no even in your family there's uh. cousins of yours who have made all the wrong decisions <laughs> yeah. despite the fact that they're parents who've made mistakes, but it's not like they actively made right. them go that route. I think of Patrick mostly, yeah. right, with that, where it's like he was a good kid and then yeah. wasn't a good kid. Yeah. I got nothing that they did. Yeah. At least that I can remember. Yeah, that you know, that we know, right? Oh, no, that we know. That's, that's but... the thing. It's hard to say what, what all the internal yeah. machinations of a, of a family what, are like. Um, but what scares you as a, as a dad? I don't know. I think that's you just want to fail them, right? Yeah. You just want to set them up for success without. Without care, like without being so involved that you actually prevent success. That's my biggest concern. Like See, how to find the balance between the right amount of parenting that mm-hmm. allows them to be an independent, successful human being in the future, without being so detached that yeah. they don't feel like there's a connection there. You know, so I think that's yeah. that's that's a hard thing. There is definitely a sweet spot for that because. You want your kids to recognize you as their parent. You want them to look up to you in forming who they are, mm-hmm. right? Because part of parenting is not forming your kids in your likeness. It's getting them to be who they are based right. off of your guidance, your you mm-hmm. know, nurturing. And nurturing takes place throughout the entirety of parenthood, I would say. Yeah. You're nurturing your kid. Like, you're nurturing the girls at almost 13 differently than you are Luke, right? They're sure. just in completely different phases of their life. Yeah. But I think we're... And, and, and different children's personalities yeah right? that's true because i mean not every kid is the same yes even you know within like the three kids in the same family they all have different personalities that require different type of nerd. yeah you could do one thing with one and if you tried the same thing with the other one you you know it just wouldn't work 
Mm -hmm. And there's different ways you have to approach that. It's, it's a difficult thing. And it's like, you, you talk about, you know, I just want to be, you know, not feel like a job. It's always a job. It is well, a job. And if you do it right, it is kind of yeah. like a second job for those of us who, have, who work for a living. But like, you know, like my wife, like that is her primary job. And it's, I don't know if there's a more important job in the world. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I mean, if she doesn't, because she spends the most time with them, um, you know, if the stuff she does, like, is creating a successful human being. Yeah. In in society, that's a. I, I just don't know how you get much much more important than that. <laughs> you if, know. <laughs> if I if I can clarify though, when I said it felt like a job at first, it was like we were basically checking boxes to make sure that we had to do X, Y, and Z, and there was no reciprocating emotional yeah. connection. Whereas, right when you're when they're older, it is a job. Like it always is a task oriented job. We yes. gotta make sure we get the kids I here. We gotta make sure we yeah. do it. But there are that those times. You get actual feedback. Because they're talking yeah. about your thing. Like, even I, I think in, even was, negative feed. Yeah, it, even saying, I, what was it? Oh, man, I had something. I forgot what it was. That's it was something right. that uh, it, Luke said to me at one point. Um, and I was like, oh, man, that's a win. That's a dad win right yeah. there. Like, the fact that he said that un unprovoked, like, was just, like, something we're doing is good. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's the satisfaction. So um, we'll wrap up here in, in a few minutes. But um, if you're, you know... I guess what would you want like if if there is there was anything that you could leave your dad with mm -hmm. words wise you know like let's say that something you know you never get to say get to say this or you never did say it is there right. something that you would want him to know i don't know i mean like you know it's i don't spoil like at some point here i'm gonna have to give like a retirement speech just because that's what we do in the air Force. yeah yeah um and uh, I don't want to ruin. I don't want to spoil the speech because I'm you sure won't. I'll bring it up then. It doesn't have to be something um, that you're going to bring it up then, but just like, you know, something that he, if he listens to this, that he definitely yeah. needs to take away from. I don't know. From I just you. think it, it's. Uh, thanks for it, that. That would might be. I and I tell him this because we're a pretty open family. You are. I tell him this all the time, so I don't think there's any I wouldn't tell him, but I, I haven't told him. But I think he knows it. I love him, and it, I know that he loves me. Uh, and he did a good job. Yeah. And not to worry. Yeah, you know? for, for me, it was so. thanking my dad for letting me be me, even when yeah. he didn't get it at all. And he had to, like, feel his way through it in a way that was uncomfortable for him. He let me do that, and I really appreciate it. But I think I want to say, too, like, everybody who has what we have, you're fortunate. I feel like I'm fortunate to have a Very good much. dad, to have an invested dad. Um, but I also recognize that there are a lot of people who don't, too. Yeah. And for whatever reason that is, I mean, you know, many families who have been broken from, you know, military deaths, unfortunately, and single parenthood is out there too. Uh, you know, there are some people just don't have a good relationship with their, with mm -hmm. their parents as well. I mean, we've, we know about that too, yeah. about our parents' parents and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the child relationship has changed over the course of generations where, I mean, the, the sentiment of we want our kids to have more than we had is becoming more and more difficult because i feel like we are like we as kids even our parents did a good good job of shielding us from what they didn't have right and they weren't overtly poor in the sense that yes you, you, you could palpably feel that and then you and i are very fortunate in our lives now where right. we can provide and it, you feel like your kids want for nothing but right. then you ask the question well how far should that go right you know <laughs> oh man you could bring up a thousand good you know things yeah. on that one it's oh, yeah. right like you know my parents did a great job of you know i never felt like i really wanted for anything growing up although you know um i think we were you know solidly middle class and there's nothing wrong with that and i think we were happy yeah. and, and healthy and it's probably something we said there but yeah that the whole idea of I, I i constantly you know my wife and i always constantly talk about like what what should we give our kids what should we make them earn because they have to at some point realize that things can't just be had you bet when you want them like you especially like when you get up and you leave the house and you leave and you, you enter that big bad world um you can't just have everything you want no like it takes time effort and you know lots of hard work sometimes to get small things mm -hmm. um and things aren't gotten overnight yeah you know like it it takes time and, and so i think that's like the the hard thing is you don't want to do that so it's uh always a challenge you know to try to figure that out it is always a challenge but then we're dudes and we like to problem solve 
Uh, so <laughs> sometimes too much. That's that's a good bit of fatherly advice right there. Is sometimes the answer is not the problem solving; it's just to listen. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is very very true. But um, we're always making mistakes. So if you're a dad out there and you feel like you're having a bad day, we've all had them. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you're going to continue to have them until the end of time. So um, some days you'll feel like a champ. Some days you'll feel like a chump, and then it'll all aggregate to. Um, you being a good dad because I'm pretty sure that's the goal so um, but I appreciate you coming by Mike and uh, talking about dads because I felt like I couldn't go you know a year I couldn't go by Father's Day and not do something yeah I mean I have the ability to say whatever I want so right. I might as well put it out there now I guarantee my dad won't listen to it because he has no idea podcasting exists at all <laughs> uh, your dad has actually watched our live stream stuff so he yeah. is more hip to that we had to set him yeah. up with it but he does I'd, watch it yeah I would be surprised if he actually listens to the podcast I've been trying to get him to listen to a podcast about history uh, I thought he would enjoy like when he's like out walking and stuff and yeah. I just don't think it's feasible like I, don't, I can't <laughs> make that happen i think maybe if i downloaded it to like his phone for him and told him like all you have to do is hit play that, um, that that's not a bad idea but, maybe, uh, yeah maybe i'll try and on that him. note though i don't think he'll, he'll actively seek out and find it. he will <laughs> actively seek out and find it however i should let you know that uh the country of india does love this show in the leisure category i'm still sitting at 150 right. so any uh families in india who feel like you have a great father situation yeah. hopefully this is for you so yeah i hope things are going well in india too things are getting better i know yeah hit them pretty real. hard recently so for real yeah. i mean there's you could say that about so many places yeah, that's true and that's true. uh you always hope for the best in the world and uh you know it's all you can really do i mean we're fortunate to live where we live and i yeah. don't ever apologize for that i just do what i can to give back in some fashion somewhere some way can't solve every world problem but you can solve it at whatever level it is that you can and i feel like that's the best we can do yeah honestly you you are solving it in a little bit of a different way because you are helping to you know uh, contribute to the country in one way whereas yeah i give to peter or some shit like that and it just yeah, see how always, it works there's a yeah. hundred ways to, to skin that cat <laughs> which peter would not agree with but uh anyway, <laughs> anyway i appreciate everybody's time yeah skinning the cat would be a bad it's a, it's a funny metaphor we came up with there. At, uh... it, it is a funny <laughs> metaphor after I just yeah, yeah. So that's all we're all about. We're all about uh, coincidence here. You've so been canceled by Peter. Well, we might. <laughs> uh, I will not be putting that as a uh, a keyword tag in this episode whatsoever. So uh, before I let you out of here, make sure to check out Maddie Ice Media for other podcasts we got. Uh, Soulfully Casual, which is this show, obviously. Then you got the Manual Political Football, some other stuff. Um, and you can find this show on Instagram, Soulfully Casual Podcast. Send me some messages. Tell me I'm full of shit. Whatever you want. It all works out for me. So, Mike, I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, hopefully we can have you again. Yeah, happy to be here. We'll do some Loki next time. Yeah, if I ever get to watch it. So, uh, take care, everybody, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Soulfully Casual is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by Matty Ice Media.